Welcome to New Mansion Church. What you're about to hear is a message from our pastor, Dr. Jeff Mars Sr. To learn more about the church, visit newmansion.org. God bless and enjoy the message. How many times we find ourselves in the valley? Well, if you watch any of those survival shows, they give you the, the advice that you find a high vantage point to find your bearings, to get your bearings, and then you go from there. But you see, we don't do that as Christians. We're not trying to find our own vantage point. We're not trying to determine our own way. Our way is to look up and allow God to give us that direction and that way. And understanding at the same time that the valleys that we are traversing in life, there is a purpose for those things. That God is working those things in our lives for a purpose. There is there is a reason for the enduring that we will go through in this life. Because the Bible says we will endure many things as Christian men and women. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at this morning as we turn back to Matthew chapter 24 once again. Turn there with me if you would, Matthew chapter 24, as we have progressed all the way to verse 13. We'll be taking a look at Matthew 24 and 13 this morning. The Olivet Discourse begins with a private conversation between Jesus and four of his disciples. The Bible says they come to him privately and ask him, discussing these events. And so that's what we're looking at here. We see it is a private conversation uh, it, and that's important because we understand it is relative to the Jews and the nation of Israel, first and foremost, but it is also relative to you and I. It's relative to the Jews, it's relative to the nation of Israel, it's relative to the world that we live in and the world system, and it's relative to the Christian as well, those who are called by and those who name the name of Christ. And it's important that we understand the context of this, because the context becomes clearer as we look at this and we recognize, well, there's a tendency in each one of us that we want to personalize everything. We want to say, how does this relate to me, right? We read something, we, we look at something, perhaps uh, uh, it is our tendency to to look at that from the standpoint of, how would I deal with this situation? What, what would I do in this particular way, in this particular problem, in this particular path? And while the Olivet Discourse does relate to every believer and non-believer, it relates primarily to the Jews and the nation of Israel. Now, that doesn't exclude us at all, but what we're seeing here is Jesus is speaking to them from that context, from that point of view. And yet as Christ relates these events to them, he is backing up a little bit and he's beginning to build a framework of all of these events. And we've looked at that some uh, over the last four weeks. We've looked at this framework that the Lord is building. And, uh, you know, we all basically do the same thing. When you and I explain an event or, or a story to somebody, we build a framework in which it fits. Uh, to increase their understanding of those things. And so uh, this morning as we, as we look at this, and we bear in mind this context that the Lord has for us, uh, well, the discussion really begins with these two questions that are asked. 
Uh, the first question being, when shall these things be? Uh, the second question, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world, or we would say the end of the age? And so we're looking at this Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapters 24 and 25, in this light. And when the disciples asked this question, the end of the world, what shall be the sign of your coming of the end of the world? It's an interesting word. In the Greek, it is the word suntelia. And what that means to you and I, well, not a whole lot, does it? But, but what it means in translation is this. It means the, the beginning of, the culmination of these events. So the word end may have several different meanings in the Greek. You and I think of the end as the end. But to the Jewish mind and to the, to the Greek which the Bible was originally written in, and that's why I point that out to you this morning, because our Bibles were written in Greek before they were translated to English. And that's why you hear me from time to time saying this is what it meant in the original Greek language, this word syntelia. What the disciples are saying, they're saying, uh, what are the signs of your coming and, and these events which lead to the end? Is, is in essence what they're saying. And Jesus' response to them is these events that we've looked at, as we've looked at the parallel between the writings of Matthew 24 and Revelation 6 and Revelation 9 and Daniel, the, the prophecies of Daniel. And the Lord, is his, as he responds to this, he begins by responding to them about, then shall the end come. And the Lord uses that word as well. The word end he uses in verse 3, verse 13, verse 14. That is the word telos. It means the absolute end. Now, a way to look at this is, is this. When you and I go to see a movie, if you've gone to a, a movie and you've watched it, the end of the movie is there. Everybody gets up to leave, but the movie's really not over yet, is it? They're going to run about six minutes of credits after the movie is ended. And we say, well, that doesn't relate to me, and, and most people jump up. Some people jump up, you know, right as the very end of the movie is ending, because they want to be the first ones out of there. And so there's a mass exodus that takes place, and the credits roll, and the credits roll, and the credits roll. Okay, the end of the movie, the Suntelia, the, the beginning of the end of the everything there. But there is a point there where the end comes. The, the credits stop, the screen fades to black, and everything goes blank. The absolute end. And that's what Jesus is saying here in verse 13 when he talks about the end. The absolute final end. So let's take a look at that this morning, Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. And let's back up to give us some context. We will back up and we'll read a little bit here, beginning with verse 3. It says, And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. 
but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Our thought this morning, enduring through tribulation. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, as we come before you this morning, we are so thankful once again to be gathered in your name, to honor you and praise you this day, to worship you, Father, and to give thanks unto you. And Father, as we come approaching you this day, with the many needs that have already been mentioned, with the needs that we have upon our hearts and our lives, with the personal needs and the needs that we have in service to others, the need of salvation, the need of hope, the need of healing, the need of strength. Father, we are people who have many needs, and we come to you as our Lord and our Savior and as our Father. We know that you provide the answer to every problem that we face. We know, Father, that you hold the keys to every lock, every door that is locked in our lives. And you have the path and the purpose for our lives. And we're asking you to lead us this day, Father. To lead us by your word, by your spirit. To lead us to those places you would have us to be. And as we walk through these valleys, Father, help us to be those who endure for your name's sake that you would be recognized, glorified, that you would be lifted up, Father, that all of God's creation would be drawn to you, to recognize you, Father, as the central figure of all eternity. We give you praise and thanks in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We come together to give God glory. God created men and women for a purpose, and that is to glorify Him. Not to seek our own way, not to do our own thing. It is ultimately that we in our paths of life, whatever they may be, would give glory to Him. And you and I have the opportunity to do that. Christ has made the way for us. He has gone to the cross. He has paid the price for our salvation. And therefore, we can come before Him, asking of Him, and seeking Him and repenting of our sins and accepting Him as Lord and Savior with a promise that He has for us, that He will lead us, that He will be with us, that He will never forsake us. That's God's promise to us, that He will be there interceding for us, making a way. And I want you to understand that none of us could make it if it wasn't for the Lord interceding for us. Our path would be so difficult, so hard in this world that we live, in this, this world that literally is the devil's playground. We see the effects of that perhaps more and more every day in our world. 
We see the problems and the plagues and the strife. We see the atrocities that take place. They're all over the news and they're right there in front of us. And we stagger at these things at times when we, when we see evil personified in a, in a culture or in a people or perhaps in some individuals. We can't conceive that. We can't fathom that. We can't understand that at all. Our minds can't conceive the great evil of this world or perhaps of some people. And we understand and we realize at those times that the devil really is working overtime. He is affecting nations and kingdoms. He is affecting cultures and civilizations. He's affecting societies. He's affecting communities. He's affecting individuals. He's affecting you and me. He is constantly there to oppress us. And you see, that's the good news, that the bad news and the good news. The bad news is that he oppresses us. The good news is that he cannot possess us. As God's men and women, we cannot be possessed by him. Darkness and light cannot exist together, the Bible says. And where we name the name of Christ and stand for him and call upon his name, there can be no evil possession within us, but it would seem like in many parts of the world that's exactly what we're seeing today. Evil personified, the possession of evil in some. And where the devil cannot possess us, he comes to oppress us. And he does a very good job of that. As he brings oppression and problems in our lives and, and where we deal with tribulation. The Bible says we deal with tribulation. Now we've been talking a lot about tribulation that is to come. The great tribulation which lies ahead. But Jesus himself said that we as believers in this world, we would have tribulation. But he goes on to say, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And truly Christ has. Satan has a power within this world, but we understand that nothing that he does, he does not do without the express permission and consent of our Lord. Now that's difficult for us to understand. How can Satan operate in this world? Because we want to think that he can run amok and do whatever he wants to do. God sets boundaries for him. He sets fences and says, you will come this far and no more. Just as he set boundaries for the seas and everything else. Well, why does God allow him a certain reign and a certain rule in this world? As we talked about before, as, as man sinned and fell short of the glory of God and as as evil came upon this world, we live in a world that's filled with evil, and yet God is doing a working. He's doing a refining work in our lives. He's doing a work of salvation within us. He's doing a work of purifying within us. He refines us, he purifies us, and he's also doing a restraining work in our day and time. God is restraining the evil of this world that would overtake us and destroy us if it wasn't for his hand that stays these things and holds them back. And yet still, Jesus says, we deal with tribulation in this world. And so we will deal with tribulation, problems that we face. And there are things that have to be endured, the Bible says. But when we look toward this time that Jesus is speaking of, the uh, the time of the beginning of the culmination of these events, the birth pains as we've talked about, the suntelia, the time when, when all of these events are going to culminate to the very end of the age. 
It is a time of great evil. It is a time of deception. It is a time of war and famine and pestilence. It is a time of of immense death upon this planet. And now Jesus reminding them, he says that before the final end of all these things comes, there is an endurance that must be made. He that shall endure until the end, it says, shall be saved. What exactly does that mean? Well, the end, here as we've said, is the end of all things. For some of us, we could truly say that our end upon this earth is the time of our departure. It is the time either of our death or it is the time of the rapture of the church when the Lord takes us away from the end of these things. But until your end and my end comes, there's going to be a tribulation of this world that comes against us. In the days that are to follow, in the days after the rapture of the church, the church is taken up and is in heaven, and now Jesus says that that hell is unleashed upon earth as the restraining work of the Holy Spirit is no longer restrained, and evil abounds. And now those who would seem to be those who follow the Lord are deceiving and are deceived and are turning their backs upon others, and they're turning in their friends, and they're turning in believers, and they're saying, here they are. There'll be no natural affection at all, the Bible says. There'll be none that really love one another. And the Bible telling us that many, many who will come together and name the name of Christ will do so in name only. And there'll be a few of those who are sincere in their lives and in their hearts, And they'll lose their heads for their belief. Their end will come. And until that time, Jesus says, there has to be an enduring. There has to be a continuation of these things. The endurance of these events. Well, let me, since we're on Greek, let me throw another Greek word out to you this morning. Hupomeno. That's the word for endurance. Enduring. Hupomeno. It is the idea of persevering in this time. Uh, The definition uh, given to us is to persevere under misfortunes and trials, to hold fast to one's faith in Christ, to bear bravely and calmly ill treatments. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't bear bravely and calmly any ill treatments that come my way. The first knee-jerk reaction to me to ill treatments is to bristle, it is to to strike back. That is the very nature of all of us. And yet Jesus telling us that there must be an endurance that takes place within us. And the same word is used to describe to us a time of patience. The word that nobody likes to hear, a time of patience. This is what Jesus says is required of these at the end of time, but at the same time it is required of you and me as well today. We are told to run this Christian race with patience, to be those who are the enduring ones. Why? Because we're looking to something beyond the problems and the tribulation of this world. Our faith is held in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're trusting Him for the outcome of all these events. We're looking to Him and we're realizing that that whatever mountains and valleys we traverse in this life, 
Just as Danita's saying, there's a reason for that. There's a purpose in that. And automatically, you and I say, well, I don't like that. I don't like the reason for that. I don't like the purpose for that. I don't like the idea of, uh, of suffering that comes my way or problems that I have to deal with or, or these constant things in my life that keep emerging. Why is it always problems? Why is it always the enduring of these things? Why, why can't life be good? Well, the Bible says this, life is good. Life is good in Christ. Sure, we face problems. Sure, we have obstacles. And sure, we have, we have these things that devastate us at times. But are we looking to the Lord? Are we looking to the author and the finisher of our faith? Are we trusting in Christ despite it all? Because this world is a dark place today. And you and I need something more than just the calming reassurance of a few individuals who would, would tell us, they're there, it's going to be okay, it's going to get better. Don't worry about it. You know, the sun will come out tomorrow. It will be a better day tomorrow, tomorrow, right? Well, what about today? What about what I'm dealing with today? It's one thing to wait for tomorrow, but Jesus says it is today. There's enough evil today. Jesus says the evil of this day is sufficient for this day. And truly it is. We don't always see it. We don't always experience But when it comes, it comes in handfuls. When it comes, as you know, it doesn't come in, in singularity. It comes in twos and threes. Problems always come one after another after another. Why is it that way? Why is there so much confusion and strife and, and problems that we face? And how do we deal with those things? Oh, we can get through them. We can get past them. We can, we can trust in ourselves and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we can, you know, toughen up a little bit and we can get by for a while. But the devastation of this world ultimately is shown in the tribulation which leads us each down a path that we choose. And ultimately the question is, have we chosen the path of Christ? Are we walking with Him? Are we constantly solving our own problems or are we crying out to the Lord? Well, is God going to answer? Jesus said, yes, he is. And Jesus says there is an endurance that must take place in this world. But the good news is that as we endure for the Lord, he says he is saved. Again, the idea there that uh, the blessing comes, the hope, the promise is there, the joy unspeakable that the Lord designed for us from the very beginnings, from the foundations of this world, the promise that he has for you and me. The riches of Christ, which will be revealed someday. Those things are there. They're available to us. And so we're told to be the, the children of joy. Jesus at the same time saying, you're going to be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Good news, right? We've named the name of Christ we're hated by all nations. He says, but he that endures shall be saved. Now Jesus giving that, that advice, those words to his disciples. As you go out for Christ, you're going to be despised and rejected by some. But will you continue to walk with him? 
The Bible says this in the very last days, in the last of the last days, when it's not God's problems that you're dealing with, it's not the tribulation of this world as God has allowed it. We suffer tribulation today as Christians for the sake of Christ. But in those days, it says, the wrath of God will be poured out and the very tribulation of the enemy will come in full force. And many will turn away and many will decide that they won't follow Christ. You see, in that day and time, it will become plain who is with Christ and who is not. Who are the redeemed and who are not. Nowadays, in our day and time, it's easier because we can name the name of Christ perhaps in name. But what about our heart? Have we confessed the Lord? Have we received him as Lord and Savior? Or are we just going through the motions? It's easy in this day and time, it would seem, to play the part and not be the genuine article. Jesus talking about the wheat and the tares, all growing together. But there's going to be a separation process someday. And the question is, are we patiently working for the Lord? Do we call him our own? Or are we simply trusting in ourselves? It is a call to endurance the Lord has for us. That word is used in 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul is speaking of love. He says this, he says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You say, well, that's asking a lot of us to endure some of the things that we would give love back for when hate is received. Love is to be returned. As the world despises us, as we deal with with people with negative attitudes and hard hearts, that we are to return love to them, that we are to display that love, that we are to endure those things. That's what the Bible says. Paul said this in 2 Timothy 2.10. He says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, there's another reason for enduring the problems of this world and the wrongs of this world. It is for the sake of others that are around us, those who are looking at us, because somebody is watching your witness. Somebody's looking at your life. And they're seeing how are you dealing with the problems that are coming your direction? How are you dealing with the, the suffering and the pain that you are having to deal with? Are you enduring those things? Because Paul says it's not just for ourselves, it is for the sake of others as well. That they might look and see that, that God is, is there, that God is real as the Holy Spirit works upon their hearts. So that we can all be a witness. Each of us be a witness to the Lord. And to others of the Lord. As the world looks at us. Sure we want Christ to look at us and say well done. We may never hear those words. From anyone in this life. And certainly not from those who oppose us in this life. But the witness that you and I portray. In the face of the difficulties and trials of this life. It will be remembered 
it will stand as a testimony to others. Perhaps not today or tomorrow, perhaps years from now. Perhaps at the end of their own lives when they have to come face to face with that decision. And I pray the Lord is merciful with many that put off that decision again and again and again. But Lord, if you are merciful, if you are full of compassion, why do you allow these troubles to come? Why do you allow the pain and the heartache to come? We say, why don't you just do away with these things altogether? But yet God is, is, again, he is refining us. He is building something in us. He is, he is purposing something in our hearts so that we can stand strong and stand the test of time so that we can prove that God is faithful even in the midst of all of the problems that we face in this world. It's one thing to, 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 have you ever fixed something and then it breaks again? And then you fix it and it breaks again. And you fix it and it breaks again. And then finally you replace it after all that. And you say, well, what was the purpose of that? You know, I just went through this and, and, and I, I fought with this thing and I fixed it. Sometimes we fight with relationships and problems with others and we fix it and it breaks and we fix it and it breaks. And we say, Lord, what's the purpose of all of this? Is there a purpose in all of this? Is there a purpose in the, the problems that we face, the things that we have to replace, the things we have to fix, the things we go through? God is teaching us. He's training us. He's raising us up. He's strengthening us. We are to be learning from him in our patient endurance of these things. We live in the, the, the me society, in the now society. We want it now. We want it to be right. We want it to be comfortable. We want it to be correct. And when it's not, things just don't work at all, do they? Why fix it when you can replace it? Well, sometimes that's what the Lord would have us to do. And sometimes we do learn patience and endurance through the trials that we go through. And sometimes it is in the necessity of where we're at. Sometimes we don't replace things because we can't afford to replace things and we have to learn how to fix them instead. We don't like it. But that's the way it is. And so the key to enduring is trusting in the Lord. And listening to what he has for us. Now Paul goes on to say this. He says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. But then he says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. So it would seem like enduring for the Lord is affirming that God's way is right. And the opposite of endurance is denial. Well, that's not fair because when, when God brings problems into our path and things that we have to deal with and the mountains that we have to climb, we really do have a choice, don't we? We can either say yes or we can say no. Most of the time we want to say pass. Give me a pass this time. I don't want to say no to you, Lord, so I'll say pass. And then next time around, we'll see if I can get on board. 
But what the Bible is telling us is this. Through the struggles of life, the problems of life, the pain of life, if we're not calling upon the Lord and seeking Him, we're denying that His way is the right way. We're saying, Lord, I'll find my own way. I'll find a better way. And that's not what God's children are to do. We are to trust in the Lord and lean not to our own understanding. We're trusting in Him. We understand that that, that is the key to enduring. And how important that is. So we have a choice when we face the problems of this life, the challenges of this life. We can go our own way, or we can go the Lord's way. But if we're constantly going our own way, the question is this. Why is God speaking to us if we're not listening to his voice? Can we really call ourselves his children, if that's the case? Because if we've made that commitment in our lives, we're saying, Lord, I will follow you. Despite it all. James said this, he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The man who endures the temptation of this life. When you and I look into the hands of our Lord, And he says, take my hand and follow me and I want to lead you through this. I know this is a problem. I know this is a valley. I know this is a dark place. Take my hand, he says. And I will lead you through this. And we fight and we resist just like a little child at times. But ultimately when we grab hold of the Lord's hand, what do we see? We see a nail print in that palm. We see the evidence of one who has endured himself, you see. Of one who has made full proof himself. Of one who has led us because he's made the way for us. One last scripture I want to give you this morning. Hebrews 12. The Bible says this. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You see, the bottom line is this. I, I, can, I can ask you to endure. I can plead with you. I can exhort you as Christian men and women to endure for the Lord, to continue on, to fight the good fight of faith, to walk in the ways that God has for you. But that is simply not enough. All the positive uh, thoughts and, and, and accolades that I can give to you aren't enough. All the pats on the back are simply not enough to walk the Christian life. 
The only way that you and I will succeed in this Christian life, enduring for the Lord, is this. We consider Him, the Bible says. We consider the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand as we become wearied in our souls, and we will be at times so weary in our souls, we consider Christ and what He endured for us. We consider who He is. We open up His Word and we read it for ourselves. And we draw strength as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, as He strengthens us, as He gives us what we need to be those men and women of the cross, to walk in the ways of the Lord. Because the promise is ahead. Enduring for the Lord. We're going to be saved. We're going to have a home in heaven. We're going to experience the glories of all eternity with our Lord, with our Savior, with our loved ones who are there. It's going to be so magnificent and, and, and like nothing that we can begin to conceive upon this earth. This place that all we know is problems and pain. And yet none of that exists in heaven. There is a reward that waits. And as I said, some are ready and some are not. In the end times, that will become painfully obvious. But what about today? Are you ready today? Have you considered Jesus yourself, what he endured for you? The cross as he came down to this earth and walked in human flesh, as he suffered and bled and died for us to make a way for us, as he despised the shame of the cross and the rebukes of all of those and the taunts and the incredible persecution and beating and suffering that he faced. Why did he do all that? For the joy that was set before him. For those who he would gather together in his name. For you and me. The church, the bride of Christ. Have you accepted him as Lord and Savior? Do you know that if the Lord called us today, that you would go in that number? Do you have that assurance? Do you have that peace in your heart this morning? Let's stand together. Why do we have a time of reflection at the end of every service? Well, one reason is this. Because God has provided us the greatest place that we have to come and to speak with Him, to lay our burdens down before Him, or to call upon Him, or to seek His blessing and His relief. Or to obtain his promises once again. But it won't always be here. There will be a day and time that the Lord takes his church home. Perhaps that time is very soon. But whether it's soon or whether it's far, the Lord would ask each of us, Are you ready? Have you made that commitment? Have you placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Perhaps you can say, well, 
Not today. Perhaps at a different time. But I remind you, we don't make that decision ourselves. It is the Lord who calls upon the heart. And if he's speaking to your heart this morning, would you respond and place your trust in him? If you need to make that decision this morning, don't resist. Just yield. As those who endure, let us trust in the Lord. Have faith in the Lord and walk in his ways. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. So thankful for your many blessings and for the hope that we have in you. And for the promise of salvation. For the way that you have provided for us, Father. The path of salvation, the purpose of salvation. The joy of knowing you. Father, strengthen us as we desire to walk in your ways. Help us, Lord, as we consider you once again this day. And use us, Lord, for your purposes. Whatever valleys we may walk through, Lord, be glorified in us. Be lifted up, Father. And may we name your name in every situation, in every problem, through every obstacle as those who endure for you, as those who love you, as those who are called by your name. Father, what a privilege and an honor, what a blessing we have in you. What a friend we have in you. What a Savior we have in you. We give you glory and praise this day for all of your blessings, for your grace that is bestowed upon us in every situation of life for the joy that we have of simply knowing you and loving you. Thank you, Jesus. Be exalted, be praised this day in your holy name. And all God's children said, Amen. Thank you for joining us at New Mansion Church Online. We would love to connect with you at newmansion.org. You can connect with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Marsh Sr. at pastorjeffmarsh.com. God bless, and we hope to see you again soon.